Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. How many ready for the main point? Main point. Jesus died so that he can turn former slaves into friends. Jesus died so he can turn former slaves into friends and ultimately turn those friends into his bride. We were not made to only take orders from God as slaves. We are also empowered to co-create dreams alongside our bridegroom king as his majestic bride. I... um, preached this message about a year ago now when we first launched. And there's a whole lot of new faces in here, so some of you are going to hear this for the first time. But today I want to empower you to dream with God. I know that last week I started, like, it's so funny. Like, last week we started this uh, series on, like, the God divine, God's divine purposes, and I'm, I was like, all right, I'm just going to continue my sermon series. And God says, no, you're not. <laughs> Oh, man, this is just the perks of being a spirit-led church, you know what I mean? And so, but today, like, God just reminded me, he's like, I want my bride to remember that she is given permission to dream with me. I shared this earlier in the, um, while we were just kind of closing up and transitioning, that many years ago when I was 15 years old, the Lord said to me, before I can ever teach you how to be a husband, I must first show you how to be my bride. And then you will learn how to dream with me along my side. Isaiah 54, verse 5, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. So my beautiful bride is back there with the children right now. But I must tell you, man, um, uh, and I'm already getting ahead of myself, <laughs> but she is my best co-dreamer. When we think of dreams, we, we co-dream together. Anybody, anybody married in the house? Marriages? Yeah. hi yeah. A lot of the times when you're dreaming, you don't dream by yourself. You create dreams with the one that you share life with. Well, the Bible calls us the bride of Christ. So this means we actually have permission to co-create dreams with God. I know that this is new for some of you, but this is, in fact, the truth. We actually, as his bride, have a say in actually building the kingdom of heaven on earth. We do. We actually can. Like, he did not not give birth to robots. He He actually created humanity as a bride to share dreams together with. Did you know that? Man, for us to believe this, we must come to terms with the fact that we are more than just a people that God begrudgingly tolerates. For us to believe this, we must come to terms with the fact that we are more than just people that God begrudgingly tolerates. We must align ourselves with the truth that he is, that he has in fact 
brought us to eye level with him as people that he actually calls his friends. It says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you the servants, my servants, because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, there's an asterisk in there. Well, there isn't one, but I'm adding one. He is, yes, still our Lord and master. Can I get an amen? Amen. God is Jesus, Yeshua, King Jesus is 100% our master. He's not just our buddy. He is the king of glory and the ruler of the heavens and the earth. But you must understand that the revelation does not end there. He is not just king. He is not just master. He is also my friend and my bridegroom. He is both. King and friend. And this is why he declares boldly, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. For servants do not know what the master is up to. This is the whole point, my friends, is that God, when Jesus came to the earth, allowed us to get to know how God thinks. What's on the heart and the mind of God? This word friend that Jesus mentions here in John 15 is the Greek word for philos. Everyone say philos. Philos is actually defined as my dear friend. Everyone say dear friend. You're not just God's buddy. You're not just God's acquaintance. You are God's dear friend. Somehow, like, Somehow many of you think that, like, well, you know, I mean, God does love me, but I'm probably one of the side characters in the story. Listen, his love is infinite. His love, think about this. His love is infinite. That means if he were to die only for you, Anthony, he would have come and done it. If it was just for you, he would have done it. Actually, if it was just for you, Jesus would have gladly came and died just for you. His love knows no bounds. His love knows no bounds. Therefore, Sam, God can make you his best friend. Yeah, all right. It's a sweet gig. I have some dear friends with me today. Stephanie, how long have we been friends now? Like over 15 years? At least over 15 years. Asiel and I have been friends. We were actually raised on the altar together. Like we actually both... We're raised on the altar, literally, at that man's church over there, back there. Hey, Pastor Angel, how you doing, buddy? My father's here this morning, Pastor Jose Morales. How you doing? I have wonderful, yeah, you give it up for my dad, yeah. I have wonderful friends. I have dear friends with me today. But my fondest friend, my fondest friend is none other than my Brianna, my bride. She is my best friend and my co-dreamer. We dream about the prosperous future of our children. We dream about the white sandy beaches of Hawaii. We dream about the snows of Iceland. Yes, I want to go to Iceland one day. 
I just want to visit. I, I'm a Florida boy. I just want to go and visit, see the northern lights, get the t-shirt, come right back home. I I know I hear they use like sleds and stuff like that to move around. That's okay. I'll keep my truck. (laughs) But one thing is true is that when we create dreams, we create them together. For those of you who have walked as friends with God, you actually know the essence of his heart. And dreaming with God is no different than co-creating dreams with a friend or a spouse. So how many of you want to know some of the characteristics of dreaming with God? Raise your hand. All right. Yes. Good. Are you ready for the first one? Dreaming with God requires us to break ties with chronic expectations of disappointment. I didn't hear enough. I didn't hear enough. So I'm going to say it again. Dreaming with God requires us to break ties with chronic expectation of disappointment. Now, are you ready for the disclaimer? Here's the disclaimer. Here's the warning label. Okay? There are many factors as to why things don't work out. Yes? There are many factors and reasons as to why things don't work out. There are many reasons as to why dreams remain unfulfilled. However, this is not an excuse to spiritualize chronic expectation of failure. Well, it didn't happen, so it wasn't God's will. How do you know? Do you know for sure? There are some things that I've done in my life where God has genuinely brought them to a grinding halt. There are things that I've done in my life where it's like, no, 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 this is not my will. Stop. Oh, okay. All right. Not God's will. I will stop. But there are other things in my life that I simply gave up in the process and then I spiritualized and said, I guess it's not God's will. Hello? Mm. Did you know there was a man... Oh, Dr. Miles Monroe, he passed away a few years ago. And one of his greatest, greatest quotes of all time is that the wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard because the graveyard is where cures to diseases were never crafted. Books were never written. Songs were never released. Great inventions to bless humanity were never populated because people that died in those graves continued to listen to fear rather than to pursue their dreams. Whoa. I want to die empty. Did you hear me, church? I want to die empty. This is how you need to be, like, I'm about to read a verse that, it talks about wisdom, but it does mention the kind of posture you need to have in your heart when you ask things for the Lord. Are you ready? Or from the Lord. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. (laughs) Good idea. You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. 
Because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Those are big words, church. The Bible's full of a bunch of the promises of God's provision. The Bible's full of statements like, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Look at the sparrows. They dress like kings and the flowers and they eat and the... The whole thing, right? Yeah? The same Bible says, if you ask and you doubt, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Doubts kill dreams faster than difficulties ever will. Man. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. That word plans is the Hebrew word for thoughts. I'm a thinker. I can't stop. Like, this thing just doesn't slow down. Like, I wake up, it's 100 miles an hour, go to sleep, wake up. And even when I'm dreaming, it's still 100 miles. Like just. But if I stop, like, if I commit my plans to the Lord, if I commit, if I commit them to the Lord, believing that God will come through on my behalf, he will establish what's going on in here. He will. I've got, I've got, I've got proof. You want to know how I got proof? You're sitting in these chairs. This is the church that I've been dreaming about all my life. You are proof. You sitting right there is proof that God answers dreams. I have a beautiful home in Carrollwood. You guys want to hear that story? You want to hear that story? I love this story. In 2019, I just decided to get a little bold with this. So I was working a job, and every day at 12 o'clock, I would take a break, and I'd pick up the phone, and I'd call my wife, Brianna. And she'd be like, oh, do we have to do this again? Yes, we have to do this. And I, and I did this for months. I'd pick up the phone. I'd say, hey, babe, you ready? She's like, okay, hold on. Okay, I'm ready. Lord, I thank you, and I declare, I thank you that you have given us 5112 Burnside Court as our home. Lord, I thank you that you have given us 5112 Burnside Court as our home, and I declare this as the place that we will raise our children. I would declare that for weeks, for almost for months, I would call Brianna every day at 12 o'clock, and I would declare this. Funny enough, during that time, Erica, hey Erica, she was living in that home with her parents. This was my wife's parents' house, and they had no intention of moving. But I was going to declare them out of there. And it worked. I declared for, for, for months, I just pick up the phone at 12 o'clock, just declaring this, is the, this will be the place where there's a home. Our children will be blessed. We'll have great memories here. And then I remember um, about six months later, I, I did that for a few months and then I stopped. And then about six months later, it was Jackie, Erica's Brown's mom, was like, you know what? We had this two-story house. I'm kind of sick of going up and down the stairs. Why don't we go and buy a one-story house somewhere else? So they moved to Brandon, and then that house lay empty, vacant. And I said, hey, Bob, <laughs> my father-in-law said, uh, I mean, there's no point in paying for two mortgages, right? So he said, well, Joel, I know you want the house. I know you want to rent the house. So I'll let you rent the house. But first, 
I need to renovate the upstairs bathroom because it's got some mold issues, whatever. So he renovates the upstairs bathroom. And I was like, well, you know, Bob, since we're renovating the upstairs bathroom, I mean, we might as well put new carpets in, right? He's like, yeah, I like the new carpet idea. I was like, you know what, Bob? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I can pay for paint, and I can pay that we get rid of that old popcorn ceiling from 1993, yeah? I'll help you pay for a couple things. And Bob's like, well, since you're doing that, I guess we might as well just get a brand new kitchen. (laughs) So the house that we had declared as our home, that we had dreamt about, that we declared, that we believed for, that we got to move into the house completely renovated. And then, yes, yes, hallelujah. We rented that home for a year. We rented that home for a year, and then we were able to buy it a year later with no money down because of the gift of equity. Yes, hallelujah. God is good. So dreaming with God requires you to to no longer align with chronic expectation of failure. Are you ready for another one? Dreaming with God requires you to know his heart so that you can co-create dreams aligned with his character. Ooh, wait a minute. I can't just like say, hey, God, I want a billion dollars. (laughs) If God gave you a billion dollars, everyone needs to run for their lives. (laughs) Because some of you aren't ready to handle that kind of wealth. Some of you haven't proved that you're trustworthy. Some of you haven't proved that you're generous enough if he were to bless you. This is a big one. The kingdom, wealth in the kingdom works differently than wealth in the world. Wealth in the world is accrued by by hoarding. Wealth in the kingdom is accrued by generosity. Oh, did you know this? You didn't know this, right? Yeah. So, anywho, (laughs) dreaming with God requires that you know his heart, the essence of his heart, so that you can co-create dreams aligned with his character. John 14, verse 13. And I will do, and and will, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Everyone say in my name. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I remember for a little while there, I was like, I've either read that verse wrong or God's a liar. And God's not a liar, so I'm sure I've read this verse wrong because I've asked for things before and didn't get them. But Jesus is saying, when you ask, you have to ask in my name. What does that actually mean is when you ask God for things, you have to ask things aligned with his character, aligned with his nature. Some of you are praying that God can actually hurt other people. Hey, not going to happen. Yeah, you laugh now, but I've seen some of you get very political really quick on Facebook. Hello? You need to be praying for your leaders regardless of who they are. Pray for their blessing and pray that God's divine wisdom were to come onto their minds and bless them as they make decisions for your country. But they don't align with my political affiliation. Pray for them anyways. must co-create dreams aligned with God's nature. If you want to know what God is like, look up his names. Look up his names. One of the very most important names that I've built my life around is that he is the Jehovah Jireh, 
the Lord my provider. So when I ask things for God and I'm dreaming that would require great provision from God, listen, I dream confidently because I know his name. I know that he's the Jehovah Jireh. He's Lord my provider. So when I dream and I, I, I actually like look down the future of my life and I see great amounts of provision required. I'm actually believing confidently these things can come to pass because I'm praying things and dreaming for things aligned with his nature. Am I talking too fast? Is this making sense? Oh, Poppy, I think you're going to like this one. Dreaming with God will most likely ruffle the feathers of smaller-minded people. Can I, get an, yes. Can I get an amen from anyone? Dreaming with God will most likely ruffle the feathers of smaller-minded people. <laughs> you okay, Lynette? You good? Genesis 37.7 says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers and sisters, they hated him all the more. Dreaming with God will most likely ruffle the feathers of small-minded people. Did you know it says in the Bible, and I believe it's Ezekiel, the Bible actually tells you not to trust everyone? But I thought we were supposed to love everyone. Yeah, you could love everybody. But be careful not to cast your pearls before swine. Be careful not to give your pearls to the pigs. If you understand the seven layers of intimacy, first it starts off with cliches and then facts. You know, hey, uh, what, cliches, nice weather we're having, huh? You know, the elevator talk. And then it goes to facts. Oh, yeah, my name is Joel. I was born in Tampa. And then it goes to opinions. Man, you know, I really think the Bucks could uh, really do better than Tom Brady. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, then it goes to opinions. And look, look, sharing dreams and aspirations is one of the deepest levers of, uh, levels of intimacy. It's right before the deepest level, which is sharing genuine need. Genuine need is the deepest form of intimacy. The one right, right above that is sharing dreams and aspirations. Don't share the most tender parts of who you are with people who cannot appreciate them. That's a one-way ticket to discouragement. Mike, I'm sorry. I'm going to put you on blast here a little bit. Okay, you ready? My friend Mike is putting together a children's book. It's no secret. Did you know He's one of the best children's authors I've ever seen in my entire life. This man is gifted. He is gifted. I genuinely think when I've heard some of his writings, it's genuinely a gift from God. And all I can do as his friend is cheer him on. This is what your job is as friends to one another. Don't, when someone's going to be vulnerable enough to share their dreams with you, don't be a small-minded person and limit their dream. Don't you be the small-minded person. Cheer them on. Love you, Mike. You still cool? <laughs> he is a cop, so, you know, I just got <laughs> Are you ready for the fourth one? This is my favorite. Sarah, uh, Sarah, Erica, you'll need to get up in a second and just be ready. 
Dreaming with God will, sorry, dreaming with God should have laughter present at the beginning and the end of the process. Do you hear me? I don't think you heard me. Dreaming with God should have laughter present at the beginning and the end of the process. How do I know this? Well, if you actually study the laughter of Sarah, Abraham's wife in the Bible, there is a very interesting lesson there. In Genesis 18, verse 10, this is when three visitors, who I actually believe is a pre, like a pre-incarnate um, Trinitarian visit um, between God and man, the three, uh, one, of them, one of the visitors said, surely I will return to this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Everyone say, that's a big deal. They've been waiting a long time, right? That's a big deal? Yeah, kind of a big deal. Surely I will return, and by this time next year, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, so Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and old, my Lord is old, how would I have this pleasure? Yeah. Erica, come on up. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh? And say, will I really have a child now that I'm this old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Let me talk to you about your dreams a little bit. Long before this visitor came to Sarah and Abraham's tent to declare that by this time next year you'll finally have the son you've been waiting for, this had been something that they had been waiting on for over 20 years. 20 years they've been waiting. And let me tell you something else. It had been so long and so much disappointment in the process that when it was finally time for God to release prophetic promise or prophetic blessing over that dream, she laughed at it. She had become so accustomed to failure that when God was starting to show activity of blessing, she scorned God. By this time next year, you will have a son. So Sarah was afraid and lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yeah, you did. Are you ready for this? Skip down a few chapters to Genesis 21. It says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah and said, the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Come on, everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don, let me hear you say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, at the very time God promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. 
When, Sarah, when the son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this part? Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about it will laugh with me. Dreaming with God, in this case, at first, Sarah laughed at the impossibility. And at the end, she was laughing at its fulfillment. If your dreams aren't big enough that they cause you to chuckle, you need to dream bigger. Because laughter is the indicator that God's about to do something great. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.